All right, welcome everyone to the first quarter 2020 quarterly report, earnings call, and business update. We will be joined in a moment by Progressive Care's CEO, Sheetal Mars. But first, let me read the cautionary statement regarding forward-looking statements, statements contained herein that are not based upon current or historical fact, are forward-looking in nature, and constitute forward-looking statements within the meaning of Section 27A of the Securities Act of 1933 and Section 21E of the Securities Exchange Act of 1934. Such forward-looking statements reflect the company's expectations about its future operating results, performance, and opportunities that involve substantial risk and uncertainties. These statements include but are not limited to statements regarding the intended terms of the offering, the closing of the offering, and use of any proceeds from the offering. When used herein, the words anticipate, believe, estimate, upcoming, plan, target, intend, and expect, and similar expressions as they relate to Progressive Care Incorporated, its subsidiaries, or its management, are intended to identify such forward-looking statements. These forward-looking statements are based on information currently available to the company or are subject to a number of risks, uncertainties, and other factors that could cause the company's actual results and performance prospects and opportunities to differ materially from those expressed in this call for the full cautionary statement you can find that in every press release for progressive care incorporated using the ticker symbol rxmd i'm stuart smith of smallcapvoice.com i will be moderating and hosting the call today i want to thank everyone for sending in those questions we will get to those questions in just a moment but first let's welcome sheetal mars to the call sheetal the call is yours hi everybody um Thank you so much for, for taking the time to join us today on, on this call. Um, it feels like since the last time I spoke to everybody, the world turned off, looked upside down, got all shaken up, and everything's different. So um, I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about the financial statements. Uh, I know many of you are still trying to digest them, but I want to spend uh, the vast majority of the time on the call today to talk about what's going on currently what our, our plans are, and all the initiatives that we have going on all at once that, we're, that we've been working on. So I want to make sure I have enough time for all of that. Uh, and feel free after the call to send any questions you, you may have about the financial statements or anything else that I may not cover in this call specifically. So if you have the, the financial statements in front of you, we'll go through the balance sheet. Um, cash on hand was pretty good. As of March 31st, we had $705,000, and, and we had accounts receivable from from insurance payers. We also have accounts receivable other. That is the, the, the PBM fees from one specific PBM where we met all of the performance metrics, and we're receiving our PBM fees back, so we have that 672000 Keep in mind, um, as of, and I, I said this in the call for the annual report, all of our pharmacies were rated five-star. All of them met all of the measures, um, that, and that's a big improvement over, over June where 1002, our Palm Beach location, struggled because it had an influx of new patients. So we did very well there. By the way, all of this money has been received in April. Inventory is 992000 That's climbing a bit because we're getting a lot more business um, from, from infectious disease, 
uh, clinics, and so we've increased our inventory to accommodate that. Um, the, the property and equipment, a lot of that is fairly similar from the audited annual report. Um, I'm not going to spend much time going into the details of each of these. We do have a tangible assets net that we are um, amortizing now. So in the current liabilities, and you'll see there's some differences here, the biggest difference is going to be the derivative liability that, that comes from the, the Chicago Venture Notes and the Iliad Notes. We have been steadily paying those down um, through, the, through the issuance of conversions. As, as I said in December, or for the December call, um, our conversions have been very gentle. And I, I can't thank Chicago Ventures enough for, for doing that, especially in light of the current economic uh, environment, that they continue to be gentle with our notes. Um, so that's been a, a blessing there. But we have realized um, the derivative liability here. We, we have notes. We have the... We have the under notes table, we have the building mortgage, we have the down payment notes, and we have Chicago Ventures and Iliad. And we also have the robotic systems that we're paying off. But we've paid off and we've made payments on that and we're, we're current with all of our, our all of our liabilities. We haven't needed to take down any capital or use any capital for our operations, which has been fantastic so far. Um, we do know that with COVID-19, March, and I'm moving on to the, the P&L, March was substantially better um, because we did fill a lot of patients in advance in anticipation of, of COVID-19 quarantine. We were impacted in April. So in April, um, as we saw that a number of, of doctors' offices, hospitals, clinics, um, healthcare providers were, were either closed or operating, at limited capacities doing very few telemedicine visits. We understood that in order to be able to continue to keep all of our employees uh, doing the, the strong work they're doing to protect all these patients, we needed to apply for PPP loans from the government. Um, so we did do that, and we received uh, all of those funds um, in the end of April and in May, and those have been disclosed. So what you'll see here in the March report you won't see the, the PPP loans. Those are going to show up on our June uh, financial statement. So in, in revenues for the first quarter, we typically call the first quarter deductible season. And with the impact of, of COVID-19, we see nine, $99.1 million in revenue. That is a strong point for, for our financials. And those are net of DIR fees. So DIR fees have almost tripled in 2020. Um, we accrued about $330,000 of, of DIR fees that have not yet been taken from our remittances. And that's, a, that's an important point to note because the total net loss here is $604,000. The, the total amount of DIR fees charged in that quarter was about $643,000. So the entirety of our losses here can be summed up in DIR fees. If that weren't part of our metrics, if that weren't part of our revenue, we wouldn't have these losses. And and PBMs kind of know that. And I'm not going to spend too much time arguing about the the merits of DIR fees. That can be a whole different conversation with me at a later point. But um, to know that the loss includes that accrual, includes those DIR fees that again uh, increased uh, by 300 percent this year. They've all tripled. So 
you know, you'll see a bad debt expense that, that has increased from this same, t- same time period last year. The only reason that changed is not because we have an increase on the same store operations. This quarterly report for 2019 did not include Family Physicians Rx, so you'll have bad debt expense that we're realizing there in Family Physicians. And SGNA has also increased um, by um, a couple percentage points here, you know, as it, as it relates to revenue, also by bringing in FPRX into the fold here. We are dramatically pursuing um, increasing our foothold in the Orlando I-4 corridor area, and we're now working on moving further up into the state Jacksonville, Tallahassee area. The main reason for our move there is because we want to have full coverage of the entire state. Um, So we've been working on all of the uh, products and services we can offer to the Jacksonville area on top of looking for an opportunity to have any kind of brick and mortar in those two spaces. So we will be looking at either an acquisition or some type of uh, kiosk or small space style pharmacy in those areas. So that's what we're planning on in the next six to 6 to 12 months. So our capital structure didn't change by, by very much. We haven't issued very many very much stock for anything other than the Chicago Ventures notes. Um, we converted, I think, about $500,000, uh, $580,000 in, in notes there. So we brought down our liability by, by that amount. And so that, what you'll see there is, is issuance of stock for that. Um, if we go to the, the statement of cash flows, statement of cash flows, we're showing a net cash use and operating activity by, by about $50,000. Um, a, a lot of that, again, is, is due to the increase in DIR fees. The rest of it is pretty straightforward from the financing activities. We didn't take any additional notes in the quarter. Um, we didn't purchase any major equipment. We didn't do any, any major changes. So most of this is in operations. And again, in, in the June quarter, we'll have the PPP loans, which amounted to just over a million dollars between three subsidiaries. And we are using that um, entirely for to support the payroll of our of our employees. Um, with the downturn in how many healthcare providers who are providing service to patients, we wanted to make sure that they all have full-time jobs and we're able to stay in their positions because we need them, especially now, as of May 18th. Um, Miami-Dade and Broward counties open up. Orlando, um, Palm Beach had already opened as of this week. So we are seeing an uptick in, in prescriptions. Um, we are seeing some consolidation. One of the pieces of work that we did during this time period is because we have been known to have expertise in infectious disease, we went to every provider in our, in our area, um, Miami-Dade, Broward, Palm Beach, um, and and Orlando, Orange County area, we told every doctor that we are one of the premier pharmacy service organizations in the state, and that to protect their patients, they need to be sending their prescriptions to us and not necessarily putting their patients in a position to have to go wait in line, even at a drive through even at, at a grocery store, to pick up their prescriptions. A lot of patients are getting delivery. The delivery is scattershot. It's not very good. Um, we've been known to do contactless. We've been known to, to abide by the, the strictest sense of safety protocols. We, we sent a lot of uh, our administrative staff to work from home. 
our, our offices are now working, our pharmacies are working on split shifts to limit the number of people who are in each individual space. So we're, fine, we're abiding by every guideline that there, that there is. And as a result, so the point being, as a result, um, a lot of those physician offices, even ones that we, we had struggled with getting patients from in the past, have sent new patients. So from March 12th, to the first or second week of April, we added 750 new patients in just one location. And so that's been a major uh, benefiting factor in the upswing that we should expect to see here in May as, as all of our clinics and physicians practices open back up. June should be even better. And, and we are working on a number of different revenue, uh, revenue avenues um, here in the next, in the summer and, and in the winter months, preparing for for COVID-19 and preparing for coronavirus to stick around for the foreseeable future. So as you all know, uh, pharmacy revenues, general pharmacy revenues, make up the vast majority of our sales. It's about 98%. We did do about $200,000 in the quarter. Um, I think that's a, an increase of um, almost 100%, a little less than 100% over the same time period last year. Uh, on 340B, we've added a number of new, uh, a new, a number of new covered entities here in the April, uh, in the April and May months, and we are expanding our delivery rates. So we have a a prep program now that allows us to deliver prep solutions. And for those of you who don't know, prep is preemptive prophylactic treatment for HIV/AIDS, and we are able to deliver those prescriptions nationwide. So we, did, we were able to work on that. We've been able to mitigate some of the issues with um, HIV AIDS medications being reimbursed below cost. Um, that, that's been a, a, a factor for the last two, three years where HIV medications are, are pretty consistently reimbursed below cost. Um, so we have been able to transition a lot of patients who would, who would otherwise qualify to 340B to transition them to 340B clinics to get their medication, um, to get them to get them cheaper for themselves, and to be able to get better service. So, we have been able to work on a number of issue initiatives over the last several months. We don't, regardless of coronavirus, we still have a business to run, and we have no interest in pretending that the world hasn't changed. And one of the things that we've been very good at in the past is adapting and moving forward on a number of. Of, of areas where we can provide innovative solutions for the future. We never seem to get caught in the problems of the past. So even with coronavirus and COVID-19, we're probably one of the best positioned pharmacies out there, even better than, than Walgreens, CBS, even better than a lot of mail order, because even mail order requires relies on doctors to be able to send prescriptions to their pharmacy. So you'll see... Um, massive decreases in pharmacy revenue across all the, the pharmacy industries, and we have not had as big of an, an impact because of the work we do with with infectious disease and how many patients rely on us for, for monthly maintenance. So we, we are in a much better position, and because we haven't had that significant of a, of a drop-off in revenue, we should be able to pick up here at the end of May and June. Um, a lot of the what I want to talk, to talk about as far as quarterly um, quarterly results and things that 
our investors and shareholders should focus on is, number one, that PBM fees play a major role, but a lot of our PBM fees can be returned to us. So while we don't have performance metrics, in which case we can accrue a return of fees, understand that in the June uh, period we'll be able to make that accrual. We we should be able to make that accrual of, of how much of these PBM fees we expect to be returned to us. So the losses you see here are, are preliminary. They should improve here over the next uh, nine months, the next um, April to December period. So we should see massive improvements. And that, that improvement is going to come from a number of areas. And so this is where I want to talk about um, what we have going on uh, to develop the company going forward. And, and I want to get to a question and answer with, with Stuart, so I'm just going to touch on these very briefly because I know you guys have a lot of questions about these, about these initiatives. But we have e-commerce, we have testing, we have technology, we have 340B, we have long-term care, and we have um, our, our specialized services for data management and, and coronavirus services for contactless delivery that we've been gaining ground on, as well as, you know, we have a, a couple of leases up in December. We have Orlando that will be moving to a larger facility. That should save us um, about 50% on delivery costs for, for the Orlando area patients. So we have a number of things that we're expecting to accomplish by December that will result in major savings here in 2021 as we build out the building and consolidate our, our operations. And with that, I'm going to go to Stuart to do questions, and then we'll, we'll continue with, the, um, with closing remarks after, after that. All right, great. Thank you for that, Sheetal. <clears throat> so I'm going to combine the first couple of questions. And listeners, we always make this disclaimer. You send in a lot of great questions, but so many of you say the same thing and just word it a little differently. But this is about the S1 registration and the uplist. So does the company still plan to uplist to a major U.S. exchange? And if so, what's the timetable and when will the company file an S1 registration? So we have already prepared our S1 draft. Um, we're, we're, we're dropping in a lot of the prospectus information, and that's, that's going to take us a little bit of time. One of the things I'm working on is a pretty robust uh, investor deck and, and set of projections because it will involve a total evolution of the company. One of the things that I, I have been focused on for the last year is transitioning our company more in the technology space because there are certain things we do better than pretty much anybody out there. And data analytics is one of those things. Um, clinical management is one of those things. Care and resource management is, is another one of those things. So we want to make sure that when we go to the SEC and the investment public, when we arrive on NASDAQ, we will be a fully transformed company moving in a direction that is in the 21st century and, and ready to realize the gains that having a superior technological platform can, can realize for us. So we are building that, that deck. We are building those projections. We are working with and trying to determine um, how our investment banks will be able to, to work on the, the S-1 registration and the uplift. We are looking at a, a substantial capital raise for the technological advances that we anticipate we want to, to accomplish in the next two to three years. And so we're putting all of that together down on paper. That also includes the acquisition strategy that we want to accomplish 
in the next 12 to 18 months. So that's the, the number one thing with the S-1 registration. We should be done in the next couple of weeks with that deck, be able to deliver that to our bank, be, have them sign on to the raise, release, submit the S-1, go through comments over the summer. And I believe we're looking to do the uplift and have the S-1 become effective almost simultaneously. Now, our bankers and our attorneys have informed us that that is a possibility here at the end of, at the, end of the year with, with a, an effective S-1 registration um, coming through in, in, at fall or so. So that's the, the, that's the timetable we're looking at. We still want to get this done by the end of the year. And I know that all, all of our shareholders are looking at the implications of what an S-1 and uplist um, require. And what I would like to talk to each of them about with that is that we believe as a management, as management of this company with $40 million in sales and a unique perspective on healthcare that we're ready to be listed on a national exchange. And we look forward to working with our shareholders on on proving to them that we're ready and proving to them that any concession they will make in, in regards to the requirements for, for NASDAQ uplisting is to their benefit. And, and we are taking into consideration every concern that they may have. So over the next several months, we should be working with our shareholders on those requirements. We're looking at uh, uh, upgrading our, our board members so we have a more robust board for the SEC registration and the and the uplift, as well as all of the compliance requirements that go on go along with that. But the timetable again should be this year. All right, here's another great question from one of your well-informed investors. What's the current status on RxMD Therapeutics? When do you expect to start having sales on CBD products? We are so RxMD Therapeutics. We are working on getting a banking relationship. We've had struggles in getting a banking relationship under RFMD Therapeutics because it does CBD. We're looking at our local bank uh, opportunities where we can be able to have a, a, a fulfilling banking relationship, one that's not limiting to us. Um, but the other strategy we have for RFMD Therapeutics, along with creating our line, is partnering with an existing line for the manufacturing support. And we have identified a target. We have reached out to them about potential partnership and acquisition opportunities, and we are now waiting for their response. Um, we think that by bringing on board a reputable CBD brand into our SMB Therapeutics and building on an existing line will be much more fruitful. Also, it gives us the ability to take it take advantage of an existing compliance and, and banking apparatus. So that's our, our primary goal right now for RSMD Therapeutics. We've, as we've tried to navigate CBD and how much we believe in it, it has become increasingly apparent to us that having CBD and the pharmacy as a, as a, as a support structure for each other is not, is not viable because anything we do in CBD will damage what we do as a pharmacy. And right now, the pharmacy is, is the core source of revenue, so we can't afford to take any risk with, with compliance on that. So that's, that's the general track that we're trying to navigate now. 
All right, PharmCo is Healthy Partners' preferred pharmacy. How many of their patients are currently using PharmCo's service, and what's your goal regarding gaining their business for this year? So Healthy Partners has been a great uh, partnership for us, a great relationship for us, and we don't have a financial stake in them, and so they've been the reason they've been transferring their patients to us over the last, six months or so is because they've had issues with adherence and with compliance at pretty much any other pharmacy that they use. And, and that's not to put down really good pharmacies, but, you know, in order to have good performance measures, you need to have all of your patients with a good pharmacy. So if one patient chooses a good pharmacy, it doesn't really help the, the health practice because you have thousands more who are non-compliant, non-adherent. So, we have been steadily gaining ground. I believe we're at um, over a thousand patients now with healthy partners, um, and we're gaining ground there. One of the numbers that brought up to me between March 12th and the middle of April, we added a- another 750 patients, and that's in one location. We have another location that, basically, due to coronavirus, has, has been switching a lot of their patients to us. Um, so we expect to have significant increases in their business over the next 30 days, looking at 30%, 30 to 40% increases. There are some patients, especially with patient choice, who, who choose to use another pharmacy and we can't force them to switch. But for a lot of patients, when they start seeing what, the kind of work that we do for them, once they come to us, they don't go anywhere else. So the patients that have switched to us, is highly unlikely that they will then switch back to you know, a, a chain pharmacy or, or a big box store pharmacy. So we're, we're, we're making, we're gaining a lot of ground. To that end, and I know we've spoken about just healthy partners, this phenomenon is not isolated to healthy partners. We have a lot of MSOs, a lot of uh, physicians groups that, that use us, and we have been gaining ground on every single one of them. We're getting new patients. So as they open up and now... Um, Elective surgeries are open in Florida, and as of as of Monday, all counties will be open at 50% capacity for for dining establishments and 100% capacity for healthcare practices. We should be able to realize the gains on um, on all of the work we've done over the last 45 days to get their business and have them isolate to us because they see the difference. And I can tell you those stories um, of of what kind of difference that makes. Um, but I, I, I think we'll save that for another venue, another opportunity. All right, excellent. How's the company's new e-commerce business? The current e-commerce portal seems only to have some basic functions. Do you plan to upgrade the portal to give it better design? So, yes. The answer is yes. Let's, let's start with the upgrading process. We had wanted to do e-commerce for, for a couple of years now, and just by nature of, of having really busy schedules, you know, securing acquisitions and, and doing implementation, doing integration, we had not been able to execute on a, a, a strong e-commerce um, campaign. But coronavirus really has accelerated uh, our desire to do e-commerce, and as such, we, we started with a, a simple design just to get the products out there. All of our patients are relying on these. We're selling masks and, and hand, hand sanitizers without 
you know, price gouging or right without big markups, and we want to make sure we're getting out to the community. We're also donating a lot of these items wherever wherever we see there's need. We've donated a, a number of things to healthcare providers in the in the community. But our e-commerce has been has been doing really well without spending a lot of time on promotion and marketing. We've been getting a lot of orders through our e-commerce, and we have a a couple of designated really really um, amazing people who have been working on design, working on adding adding products. As you look at the e-commerce site, you can kind of see on a weekly basis that it changes. Even now, if you log in, if you logged in a week ago, it looks different than it does today. So every day we're making making progress and making updates and making upgrades, and, and we hope to have a full catalog of, of products in that, in that shop soon, knowing that that catalog of products we want to make sure is is up to our standards of what we want to recommend and, and sell. So we're adding um, certain durable medical equipment products, vitamins and supplements, over-the-counter medications, uh, splints and, and you know, bath seats and things like that. So everything that we sell in the pharmacy, you should be able to get to our e-commerce site soon, but we are up, uploading those um, a little bit at a time. So check back in frequently to see what new, new things we have in there. And we hope to uh, impress you guys over the next couple of months with, with the number of products that we're able to sell through there. And we've been able to gain some, some pretty good business. I mean, our, our retail numbers are up. Uh, I think they're up about 50% over, this, over the same time period last year, and that's even with coronavirus. So because we've had e-commerce supporting our, our retail uh, operation, we've been able to add new retail sales and have more more margins coming to the bottom line from the e-commerce site. And and what another thing that you'll see added to e-commerce is is the COVID-19 antibody testing. And we have a number of strategies for, for that. Um, I know that wasn't a, uh, what you had asked about, but we are looking at um, marketing the, the antibody testing to the community in a variety of ways um, that allows uh, employers and healthcare providers to provide the necessary testing and screening that pretty much every community in America needs. But, but because South Florida has the highest percentage of, of cases in Florida, we want to make sure that our community is well covered on, on the testing front. All right, Sheetle, that's all of our questions for today. Listeners, please keep sending in those questions, and we will use them in an upcoming audio interview with Sheetle. Sheetle, it's time for your closing comments. I wanted to talk a little bit in my closing remarks about the future of, of our company. I've, I've alluded to a transformation over the last several months, at least the last year, as I've envisioned a new role for us uh, to play in healthcare, a new role for us to play in how healthcare te technology is developed. And we are embarking on a number of different revenue, uh, revenue streams for our company. 340B is one of them where we're advancing in the, in the data analytics space, providing uh, third-party administration, providing compliance support to 340B entities beyond um, just our dispensing revenue. So that allows us to bring more revenue into the company, allows us to provide more robust data and the ability for our covered entities to provide um, a different level of clinical support to the patients that they service. And we want to extend that out 
to all healthcare practitioners. One of the things our healthcare practitioners are, are used to is getting reports from us, and we do that pretty much better than any other pharmacy out there. Everybody else lets you download data and analyze it yourself, but they won't provide you guidance, and we do a lot of work in supporting the cl clinical strategies of our healthcare practitioners. So that's number one. Number two is testing, and we've, we've secured um, an allotment of testing. It's been a long road for us to secure testing. We wanted to be uh, providing testing when this, when this whole crisis had begun, but the lack of PPE made that something that was un untenable for our, for our staff. Um, we needed to make sure we protected their health and safety first and foremost um, before going into a testing strategy that could put them at risk and, and, and hinder the, the business at large. So now that we have PPE, now that we have tests, we are going through and working with employer groups and healthcare, healthcare practitioners to do testing. And, and I am working specifically on a strategy of doing a, a study in our area and working on gathering the partnerships we need to provide a robust antibody testing study in our in our location to be able to support the Florida Department of Health in guiding its reopening um, reopening process. So that those are the two places, and as well as being able to provide testing in a safe, secure environment for anybody on a retail basis. So if you're in the the South Florida area, Palm Beach, Broward, Miami-Dade County. Uh, you'll, you should be able to come into a pharmacy, come into one of our pharmacies and get an antibody test right then and there. It takes about 10 minutes, um, and, we, and we give you uh, a safe, secure result that allows you to bring that to an employer if an employer has requested some kind of antibody testing for you to be able to return to work. And I know that a lot of employers are looking at testing as a way to provide safety and security for their patients and for their employees as they return to work. And some as they stay home just to understand the prevalence of, of disease or prevalence of immunity amongst their staff. So we're providing that as a support service to, to employers and providing it to, to physicians so they can be, be able to provide testing as patients start to come in um, and get, get, their, get their checkups. Number, number three, we are working on the build-out. We have secured architectural plans. Those plans are now in permitting. We're working on the bidding process. We believe we can move in all of our operations here in December. But that means we are also working on keeping, getting rid of uh, a couple of leases. We think that in 2021, our rent expense will go down by $300,000. Our, our total expenses associated with having off-site leases will go down significantly. The, we also believe we will have a retail location where we will have an off-site non-pharmacy but a pharmacy resource center within a retail location where we can be able to sell um, through e-commerce and through a direct physical location CBD and holistic wellness products. So that is a goal of, of ours here in December, January, being able to build out a, a small retail space and, I, and it's not for the purpose, I know that people are, ner are nervous about walk-in traffic. It's really more for the purpose of supporting e-commerce, but providing the ability of, of local residents who are accustomed to walking in to be able to continue to pick up their prescriptions from a, from a local pharmacy. So that's what we're planning to do um, and be able to support our patients and be able to 
greatly increase our retail and e-commerce uh, revenues and, and margins. So we're working on that. And um, another thing is working on additional states. We we had paused our our acquisition of state licenses for a period of time due to uh, restrictions placed on us by PBMs, but we have found an avenue where having those state licenses will be beneficial to us now that we have our e-commerce platform and to be able to do uh, do mail order and certain specialty products nationwide. So we will be getting those licenses in more states. We are exploring uh, a number of different states. California has kind of been one that I've been wanting for a period of time. It takes about a year to get California. So we, we are working on the application process now and working with our pharmacists on getting credentialed in a number of states. So that's going to take some time, but we are, again, ramping up on getting more state licenses. We're also working on our accreditation um, for our new building and for our pharmacies. So you should be expecting a lot of evolution at the pharmacy level as well as a lot of evolution at the administrative level. And, and this is all on top of doing the, the S1 and doing uh, analyzing our acquisition strategy, working on a number of acquisition targets, and working on the, the business plan and models for, for a future capital raise so that we can be a NASDAQ company with at least $100 million in revenue. We think we can get there. We've gotten, you know, for a lot of people that don't know us, we started as a no-sale mom-and-pop store in North Miami Beach. We made our first sale on on July 11, 2007. First sale was nothing. We started from nothing. And after a long period of time, we're here working on almost 13 years, we've grown nothing to $40 million, 120 employees, publicly traded. So there's nothing this company can't do. There's nothing this company can't accomplish. And on top of that, we if we are going to accomplish it, we're going to do it better than anybody else has ever done it. So we, you, there's a lot to look forward to from us. There's a lot of news coming out in the next uh, 45 to, to 60 days about our testing process, about our e-commerce, about telemedicine and about uh, CBD and uh, all of the other projects you've seen us uh, work on as well as a number of others that you haven't heard us talk about today. So I think there's a lot to be excited about here and there's a lot to be optimistic about. You know, it's really hard right now. I know a lot of people are struggling. A lot of people are nervous. The economy is, is in a very desperate place. But our company is designed for crisis. Our company is strives and thrives in uh, in moments where patients with need advanced care. And now is one of those times. And I I believe that we play a, a pivotal role. We play an essential role in not only how Florida reopens, but how the nation can reopen as well. One of the things that I want to mention today, and this is a shameless plug of mine, I will be doing a Facebook Live event on Tuesday, um, Tuesday at 1 o'clock. That is May 19th, to be able to talk to everybody about coronavirus, reopening strategies, testing, masks, whatever questions you may have, please join me at, a, at, a Facebook live, at my Facebook Live event on May 19th at 1 o'clock. And I hope to continue to speak with you and, and me and Stuart 
can hopefully get a, an, a subsequent interview put together for, to answer any additional questions that you may have. All right. Thank you, Sheetal Mars, CEO, once again, of Progressive Care. Of course, you know that if you're on this call and you also know the ticker symbol is RXMD. Once again, on behalf of the company, I would like to thank everyone for sending in their questions and joining us on this call today. Have a wonderful weekend.